Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Heart in the Pain NBA podcast, the NBA podcast where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. I'm your host, Matt, and again, joined by Michael. And today, on this Thursday, the 28th of February, we have some news for you guys, as well as uh, just some league updates. Nothing too crazy has been going on recently, but, uh, you know, the season's kind of starting to hit its last push, so we're hitting our last pushes as well. And speaking of pushes, if you need a little push to get you through the day, you can do so with the great original taste of Coca-Cola, num- uh, America's number one favorite soft drink. Of course, with its uh, polar bears and world-renowned caramel flavors, you too can enjoy a crisp, refreshing original taste of a coca-cola at your local convenience uh, or you can go online to their website and use our promo code hit p for uh, one free coke bottle when you purchase 12 or more so uh keep that in mind next time you're looking for some afternoon pick-me-ups or you know delectable taste bud refreshment and speaking of refreshing we are sort of refreshing our uh, you know, online presence with our podcast. So uh, since the last time we've spoken to you guys, we have now immigrated and taken the jobs of Stitcher, iTunes, uh, as well as TuneIn. And also we're back on YouTube now at the uh, YouTube channel in the link in the description. So wherever you like podcasts, whether it be Stitcher, Google, SoundCloud, Tune in iTunes, YouTube, however you like your media, we're there for you. Just like Coke. It's in every grocery store and every restaurant you could ever want it in. Uh, what, what a segue. And uh, I guess we have a, we, we will have a, a, a question of the day for our viewers, but we'll get to that later on. So let's just hit the uh, sort of the, the docket for what's been going on this week in terms of the NBA. And that is, Harden has lost his 30-point streak, which is, I'm kind of actually upset by this a little bit. I think it would have been a cool achievement for him to have. It would have really given him, like, a toe-to-toe in the MVP conversation. Um, And it was against the Hawks, of all people. So did you see this game, Michael? What went down exactly? I didn't see this game because it's a Hawks game. Very surprised that the Hawks managed to keep him under 30. I actually kind of thought he would finish out the season, uh, at, you know, at least getting that, you know, keeping that streak alive. It looked like he was about to go for it at the very end. And then the Hawks swarmed him with like a 4v1 to make sure he didn't shoot. And he was also ice cold from three. Yeah, you said 0 of 10 from three. That's like, whew. I mean, if he, if he makes one of those, his streak continues. So just kind of an abhorrent kind of blip on the season. Who knows? Maybe he'll start another streak of 20 games, go into the postseason. I think I saw a stat somewhere that said it, if he plays all of his games, he has to score, I think, 666 points to average 30 a game this season. Um, that seems like kind of high especially with CP3 and Capella being back. Yeah, it is. And uh, he's also now the leading unassisted three-point shot scorer in history or something like that. 
What do you make of him going for the streak? Obviously, Westbrook had his triple-double streak. Is this something guys should care about? I don't know. See, here's where it gets tricky for me is you can go for these personal accolade streaks, you know, whether it's the triple-double, the 30 points, the double-doubles, the 20 rebounds, whatever you like. Um, but if your team's losing games, you know, does it really matter in the end? It's like, you know, that, that's kind of why everybody knocked Russ that one year where he won it is like, yeah, he's getting triple doubles, but his team's like the eighth seed. Like, you know, it's, it's a good stats, bad team kind of thing. And, you know, I think people are starting to like, don't, don't buy into that anymore. You know, the Hawks are doing pretty well. Uh, Trey Young is kind of, I don't want to say rekindled the rookie of the year debate, but certainly do you, would you say that Trey Young could be a potential all-star in Atlanta over the course of the rest of his rookie deal? So over the next three years, maybe in a week East. Yeah. Yeah. That's the trick, right? If he was in the West, I'd say no way, but you know, we think at East point guards, you got Kemba, Kyle Lowry, Yeah. Kyrie. Kyrie. But who knows where Kyrie and Kemba might be. Yeah, and if they're on the same team, then good luck both being an all-star. So, I mean, a spot could open up for him. And on top of that, I mean, he's got, like, the keys to the franchise right now, which is entertaining. And he's not, you know, compared to his first 20 games of the season, he's obviously improved in shot selection and turnovers and those kinds of sort of rookie things. Um, so I'm kind of excited. Like, there's... You know, everybody, I like to always look to it in retrospect of the Doncic trade because, I mean, he's just a once-in-a-generation type talent, it seems like. Uh, and you think, you know, at the beginning of the season, we're like, holy crap, Atlanta just threw their future away <laughs> with that trade. And at the same time, it's like, well, you know, Trey Young's pretty good, and they got another pick out of it that could also be all right. You know, they, they're starting to... I want to say it feels kind of like if we like rewind a couple years to like the Knicks or something like that, or like Sacramento where it's like, okay, we're going to draft like one good piece. But now that the real trick is, is if they can continually draft good pieces to mesh with those other good pieces, as was the problem with Sacramento and the Knicks a couple years ago. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I like the guy. I mean, he's he's entertaining at least, you know, just jacking up deep threes and stuff. So, and and Collins is pretty good too. So, yeah, I guess another season surprise is Denver going from out of the playoff picture last year, losing to Minnesota on that last game, to potentially getting the number one seed in the West, and Isaiah Thomas. The king in the fourth has returned to the Mile High City. Do you think he'll make a difference in the playoffs? I'm not sure. He hasn't looked too good so far, in my opinion. He's he's not. He doesn't have that explosiveness that he used to have, which is, of course, super super bad not to have. Being a really short guy. Um, however, it does. I think that team is pretty unique. Like you got to think. They run like 10 deep. You know, last year, of course, Paul Millsap was out most of the year, so they were 
barely in the playoff race and now they're like you know if they get the number one seed in the west are they like coach of the year material yeah i would say mike balloons in that conversation Bernholzer is probably up there nick nurse it's still it's totally got to be malone or bud right so i would say so yeah but but okay let's say at the end of the day like both of those teams have the best records in their conferences you've got bud with Giannis and retooling that bucks team and then you have malone with you know the weirdest sort of playmaking center and like really good 10-man deep basketball in the more contested West of all things. I don't know. I feel like I got to give the edge to Malone on that one. Like he doesn't have an MVP on his team. You know, he's got, doesn't really have any like superstar talent. Like you could say Jokic is an all-star, but that's, I think that's a little debatable at times, like in terms of centers that you'd want to have on your team. Do you, do you think he'll get some MVP consideration though? Finish, I think he'll get think votes. He'll top five? Not in, no, I don't. He won't finish top five. I think Even he'll get a one. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way Jokic gets like anywhere close to top five MVP. Wow. I, I could see him like seven or eight, but like those are off of oh well, you're the best player on the best team kind of thing. It's just really hard to like feel his game. Like he does really cool passes, right? But like nine out of ten times, that's not a Sports Center highlight. You know, Sports Center highlights are dunks and three pointers. You know, well, their team is very flipped. Um, instead of it being very guard driven, it's he's pretty much the engine on offense, and then they just have a lot of depth at shooting guard with Isaiah Thomas and Harris and Murray. And Beasley, I mean, all these guys are basically just shooters, playing shooting guard, basically. And so it's sort of like a tweak on the Giannis-LeBron system of surrounding with shooters around a big guy. But, but my issue, I think, with having Jokic MVP is, you know, I tend to like MVP in terms of, you know, if I'm going to give the ball to a guy all of my possessions of a game you know who do i trust the most like who's gonna like win me or will me that game like or at end of games or, or however and i'm just don't feel it with Jokic. like i feel like most of his stuff is off of like really good system play kind of like the spurs you know but not not like as much as the spurs but they're still very much like a lot of off-ball movement setting a bunch of screens it's not like Giannis, where it's just like ISO barrel down the lane or Harden where it's like, you know, ISO at the three-point line and he'll get you a good shot nine out of ten times, you know? It's like, it's just a different style. And I don't think our the way that we view things as media or players or whatever uh, would, would celebrate that as an MVP-worthy type of style of play. Last very Euro. Night, it's very Euro, by the way. <laughs> last night there was a there was a flashback, and Cornrow D Wade hit a buzzer beater over Golden State. Yeah, this was a crazy game. The Heat were up by like twenty at halftime, 
and then the Golden State made their patented third quarter comeback. And it was just tick for tack of that fourth quarter. Crowd was into it. The Vice jerseys were out. D Wade looked great. And then he this game winner is just insane to me. Like he he dishes it off to like they're obviously drawn up play is, you know, he dishes it off to Jay Rich, I think. And then he he gets it back. And he he like shoots it, gets blocked, he grabs the rebound, and just throws it up there right away with like 0.2 seconds left. Oh my gosh, the luckiest thing! Like I feel happy for the dude, even though like I'm not a huge D Wade fan, but like oh my golly, uh, what an ending! At home of all places too. Do you think the fear with Golden State is gone? I think I think it is a little bit, and, and I think you know I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast yesterday, and they kind of talked about this a bit in there where with uh, Ryan Rosillo, it's like you know that 2014, 2015, even 16 Golden State. Wait, wait, wait. it was Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo. Yeah, and they were actually talking about something besides Celtics and Red Sox. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so they were talking about how um, you know that sort of the golden state goldenness has kind of rubbed off like not rubbed oh, off and like translated but, but yeah the strategy the system. sort of the uniqueness of it so i mean we, threes and all this yeah switch on defense all that like it was really easy to be a golden state fan this first couple of years because it was like a total different style of play a bunch of guys you could get behind a and, jump shooting team yeah, jump shooting team, underdogs, injuries, you know, um, crowded Western Conference. You know, they beat some really tough teams that first year. Um, so you think it's like the newness is worn off? I think that, and then other teams have kind of figured out how to model that system. They figured out how it works. They generally have been better at defending it too. So I think the meta is kind of getting solved in terms of the like 2016 golden state meta um it'll be interesting to see like you know i think you know you gotta think like how many teams are zigging when everyone's following the golden state zag you know like the spurs the nuggets you know philly to an extent the lakers the pelicans i mean it, you know, it's it's interesting to to see like okay, we're kind of rounding the corner on you know three point analytic driven you know threes and layups switch everything on defense basketball. So when you say rounding the corner, do you mean this is kind of the end of this era? I don't, not not the end right now, but as in like it's kind of plateaued. Yeah, it's 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 sort of plateaued a little bit in my opinion. I don't know if we've hit the plateau point yet. Like, okay, it can go up, sure. Like, people can shoot more threes next year. Like, because there's te- there's obviously a couple teams that aren't doing that. Like, think Orlando, think the Spurs, you know, Sacramento to an extent, you know. So there's definitely teams that aren't three-point analytic-driven teams. However, it seems like the past three or four years, teams that have successfully won games in the regular season and gone far in the playoffs have been three-point sort of analytic switching defense-based teams. 
and they're all following that Golden State kind of formula. And minus the tremendous amount of star power Golden State has amassed, uh, they've kind of figured out how to do it. Maybe 80%, because obviously Steph and Clay and Katie are all like Hall of Fame shooters, right? So you obviously can't have those on every team, but yeah, yeah, my point is, is that, you know, one of these teams that we aren't really on to right now in like the next two years is going to have some like fundamental cornerstone move that's going to be like, holy shit, this is going to shape the NBA for the next three years. Whether that be Zion or, you know, LeBron dying on the court or Porzingis and Doncic together. You know, even that's like a Golden State kind of team set up. It's like Doncic, Kristaps, threes switching, playmaking. It's like the all-around basketball. Like, you know, when are we going to get back to the grit and grind, you know, or the the pound, the pounded inside, you know? It's like, where where's our next evolution? So. Well, the interesting thing is with more threes, the spacing actually opens up for more layups, right? It opens so up for more post be, room, yeah. Might actually eventually be kind of a flip script, especially with all these young guys who are six, eight, and taller. Like, look at last year's draft, right? We had Aiton, tall dude, Bagley, tall dude, Doncic, relatively tall at six, eight, Mobamba. I mean, Trey Young was kind of the only short guy. Triple J. Um, Mikhail Bridges, like all these guys are relatively lengthy. That, but none of them are like seven a... two though. You know, none of them are extremely tall. Yeah, but then again, a lot of these guys grew up on Kobe, and Kobe is mid range, low post. Might be some imitation kind of going that way, and I don't know. I I don't think we've. Plateauing isn't the right word, so it's more like... I think we're still, like, two years away from the three-point shot being even more ever-present. Like, right now, I think we're still kind of honing in on a little bit, but I think it's going to completely explode in the next two years, even more. Like, I think what I think how I'm feeling now is if nothing changes, like, drastically in the league, like, we've got to be at least a third to a halfway through this phase. Just just off of like decades, like just off of time span. Cause like, think like once all these, once like Curry and Clay rotate out of the league, I mean, they should last a while because they're three point shooters. So, you know, shots normally are last thing to go, but there's going to be a phase of people that rotate out that sort of had that torch. And is someone going to pick it up or is there going to be a different, you know flame that's the new style of basketball you know who knows maybe it's predicated more by like uh a rules change or a game change of some sort you know maybe they add that ruffles four point line to the game you know or maybe that's where they move the three point line to and then the inside becomes even you know easier to deal with you know so I don't know. A lot, a lot of things I feel like could happen. Like I feel like they're legitimately considering that three-point line change with the Ruffles one from the All-Star game. Interesting. 
Because, I mean, how many, they made 10 in that game, and those are all scrubs except Ray and Jay. Like, think about if, if it was, like, you know, Clay, Steph, and, and Draymond on those threes, you know, or, like, Doncic and Kristaps on those threes, or, you know, whoever you like. Like, that's so much more space. And they don't even have to cost four. They could just cost three. I guess. I mean... Imagine if a guy like Ben Simmons or Markel Fultz even become a, a superstar, then the game's going to kind of fold back into their into their games, which obviously doesn't focus on shooting. If Giannis wins the MVP, he's going to be the first guy who pretty much can't shoot that well since, what, maybe early LeBron? Uh, Westbrook three years ago? No, but at least Westbrook is... I mean, at least back then, like his shooting was not bad. Like it was, it was pretty average. Like Derrick Rose, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going back almost. Yeah, it's almost ten, 10 years. years. Yeah, but that's a that's a decade change. That's a that's a phase change. <laughs> you know, ten years ago we were inside out. Still, you know, point guards weren't taking threes that often. No. Unless you were the uh, Dwight Howard Magic. Yeah. Like, it was still very much inside out. Yeah. Um, and defense was rugged. Like, people were still hitting each other. And there was, you know... Uh, Tibbs. What's it called? There's like 17 more timeouts in a game, and the games took an hour longer. Mm. And you had... Uh, what's it called? What do you mean? Clear path fouls. Jeez, I couldn't remember it. <laughs> like, those happened, like, every other game. And, like, sneakers were, like, clunky as hell and awkward. And people wore suits on the sideline instead of whatever they wear now. Like, a lot <laughs> of changes in a decade. Tampering, like, summer league. Yeah, I mean, you know... How progressive Silver is, I wouldn't be surprised if he made a change to the game itself. Yeah. Well, one of the old guys is uh, LeBron, right? I mean, my guess is they probably would hold out until after LeBron basically retires to make these kind of instrumental changes to the game. Because you don't want to do something that negatively affects LeBron's game as he ages. Yeah, but think about who else's games they changed on them while they were aging. I mean, I know it's a different administration. Yeah, but, nobody's, but nobody's been that much of a superstar. LeBron's the biggest star in the NBA we've had since Michael Jordan. Yeah. They could do, like, FIBA rules where it's like, you know, the, you can hit the ball while it's on the rim. I mean, that would that would make the inside more prevalent. Yeah, that actually... I think that's a worthwhile change, to be honest. Yeah. To make the rules consistent over across international play. You got so many Euro uh, players now, it makes sense, right? Yeah. I guess it's something that they could easily try through the G League and stuff. And then just see what kind of pans out. Yeah. So uh so off this tangent of changing rules and the legacy of this era of the NBA, uh LeBron last night played the Pelicans again. This time at home. And he also had a game winner. Uh, 
Pretty it's nice rough. game winner too. It's rough though watching that team. I don't understand how they're losing to the Pelicans without AD. Well, Anthony Davis did play. He just didn't play in the fourth. And I think by then, the other guys are kind of engaged. And I also think there's a point where the Pelicans, when they don't play Anthony Davis, really want to show that they're not like shit. Mm-hmm. And then you have Julius Randle, who's you know, clearly got the Lakers' revenge uh, on his shoulders. And then you have a guy like Drew Holiday, who's basically the best player looking forward. So he wants to prove something. So I think you just have these pieces where Julius Randle was cast off a Lakers, right? And then the Pelicans' uh, point of view, that entire kind of Lakers young core might have been on their team. So I think it was sort of like, wait, you wanted to get rid of these guys and dump them on our team? And then, I don't know. I think these guys just took up really personally. Man, that's nice. Yeah, good for them. Good for Randall. You know, guy, it's nice to see like Randall and D'Angelo like succeed outside of the being the savior of the Lakers that they were supposed to be six, four years ago with Kobe. Well, I think this whole young core, there might be some real problems in their development. I, I don't know if I would want Brandon Ingram. As who? As the Lakers? Or, I mean, in a trade, if, if Brandon Ingram's the best player I'm getting back in a trade, I don't know if I really want that. Hmm. Interesting. So if you let's let's play pretend right here. So if you are Magic in the front office of the Lakers, what's your game plan here going forward? Because obviously your team's going to beat the Rockets and then lose to the Pelicans and then win against the Pelicans and then lose to another B tier team. The Grizz. They lost yeah. to the Grizzlies. They lost to Joe Kim Noah in a revenge game. Like I didn't think I'd say those words in 2019. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll kind of get to this maybe a little bit later, but I think they're going to strike out on getting Kevin Durant. And if Kevin Durant goes to the Knicks, Boston's pretty much in a free fall. So Kyrie looks like he'll bail there. And my guess is he'd rather go play with Kevin Durant, who's younger. Uh, and a little bit, on you know, less selfish than kind of like a LeBron ball handler. Anthony Davis still makes sense. I don't really know where Kawhi wants to go. Uh, Clay, I think, is going to be a warrior. Who's left? Kemba. Kemba. I think Kemba's realistic for them to target, but Kemba, Anthony Davis, and another year, like older LeBron, is that enough to make a push? Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. I don't know how he wins this title in LA. I'm not sure. Like, I'm just not sure what they're thinking. Like, there's obviously something, the conspiracy that went on with Paul George and Magic last year. There's obviously going to be one going on this year again with Ben Simmons and Magic. Uh, Like... Obviously, we have all these Anthony Davis problems. It just seems like they're almost turning into the Knicks, essentially, of just like crazy management, weird speaking out about people, 
good talent yeah, pockets here and there. I wouldn't go that far. Because remember, right before LeBron got injured, this team was fourth in the West. Like, they looked good up until LeBron got injured. So there's something there. My problem is this team seems to rely too much on Lonzo Ball for some reason. Uh, their defense is atrocious, which, it, I mean, it should be bad, but not this bad. And Brandon Ingram just does not look like the guy to be the psychic. Yeah, I don't, you know, one of the things I think that's been popping up around recently is a bunch of headlines of saying, oh, is LeBron toxic? And this is now people's theory as to why KD doesn't want to go there or anybody wants to go there is, you know, you're going you're gonna to live by LeBron, you're going to die by LeBron in the media and the national news and whatever that goes on. You know, when your team wins, LeBron's going to get all the credit. You know, your team wins a championship, LeBron's going to be finals MVP. When your team loses, LeBron's going to be like, hey, man, the, the, you know, I'm doing my job here. I don't know what my guys are doing. Uh, so, it, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's an inside scoop there. Is there any, I think there's any credence to that rumor? Somewhat. But I actually think more of it has to do with the fact that it seems like these guys don't really care about their overall legacy in NBA history. Like LeBron clearly cares that he wants to be the greatest of all time. But does Kevin Durant, who's probably the second best player in the league, care if he is in the top 10? It doesn't seem like it is. Because I feel like if Kevin Durant wants to crack that, highest level of basketball, you know, all time, one of the best guys to ever play. He should stay with Golden State. And it seems with the fiasco in Boston, Kevin Durant is going to the Knicks, and this is just, I'm very concerned about this. I'm very concerned. I know I've been joking for months that the Knicks are going to be really good in 2020, but I'm very concerned that this is going to be real. It seems a little bit like career suicide, like, honestly. Like, okay, so so yesterday, all of the KD Golden State jerseys were on sale for, like, 75% off. They weren't getting restocked. They sold out within, like, half an hour. So, uh, obviously, he's going somewhere. Um, I, if I was him, honestly, why would you leave Golden State? Like, say, all right, guys. I'll take a huge pay cut, you know, do the do the D Wade Chris Bosch thing of we're gonna keep the game together, I'm gonna take a hit, and we're gonna win again. We're gonna win again. All right, I've got two ideas. One is Katie knows something. He knows that maybe Steph is injured. Like he he knows something like that, right? Where when LeBron was in Miami, you could see that Dwayne Wade's knees were clearly shot. And I think maybe KD could see something like that. That doesn't seem too likely. Uh, I think the biggest thing is he wants to rehabilitate his public image in the age of social media. He wants to no longer be the villain, but be the good guy. But this and is the argument, somewhere right? else isn't that, but I, I think it's a terrible idea. I think Walking away from this Golden State team, this is 
legitimately, this team could be the greatest team of all time. Katie, you can move into the top 10. I mean, let's let's think about this Golden State team in context for a second. Like, this is up there with, like, the Celtics and the Lakers in terms of, you know, star power, talent year after year, championships year after year. I think it's the third best team of all time. Like, kind of like team era, kind of dynasty almost team of all time. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. I would say Bulls, 90s Bulls, have to be number one. And then I I would put the like 86, 87 Celtics there and maybe them ahead of Showtime Lakers at this point. So, you know, when you think about that team in this kind of context, you've got to be asking yourself, why would anybody leave that? You know, we think the Bulls, we think, okay, Scotty left that for a reason, but Michael also took like a year and a half off to play baseball, which kind of screwed things up pretty bad. Well, I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff. And they were getting old. And Did MJ really want to go play baseball? Did David Stern kind of push him out because of the whole gambling thing? Uh, The GM for the Bulls was... uh, Still got dog shit. <laughs> well, Krause, and he hated Phil Jackson. He hated Michael Jordan, and he hated Scottie Pippen, which, is, I mean, that's the team. They never got so that he, team any help. <laughs> and he dumped, yeah, he dumped all three of those guys. I mean, there was a lot of problems with why the Bulls ultimately failed. And, I, you know, some of that had to do with age, right? I mean, Jordan was dragging that team. Yeah, I mean, the last year looked like a good year. Yeah, Yeah, and that mileage on him was crazy. But with Golden State, Steph is the oldest guy at 30 or 31? 31, I think. Clay is... Clay's having an awesome year, you know? I mean, I don't think it's as good as 2016 Clay, but I think it's... This is the best Clay we've had under the KD mini era. KD is clearly the second best player in the league. Draymond is pretty iffy, but I think playoff Draymond can still be a thing. I think Iggy is still all right. And they have Boogie Cousins, who, I mean, will probably be out the door in July. But See, I just don't understand why you would leave that. Like, okay, you're Kevin. Three. Like, like you say, yeah, it's basically guaranteed three-peat. So you, there's got to be some secret rumor or writing on the wall that Katie knows that if only you're an inside guy in there, you would know that I think that that's what's got to be up because let's look at what he's going to. So he's going to New York. Like, let's just say that's a given. All right. So he's going to New York. He's going there with Kyrie. Okay. So now you're playing with a ball dominant point guard again. It doesn't, is not pass first. You are, He's also very injury prone, more so than Westbrook or Steph were in your tenures at both of those places. And your best, your third wheel is going to be Zion, uh, hopefully. Like, that doesn't seem too great to me. I think it's the whole social media thing. He's He's been burned so much by this whole Twitter account fiasco going to Golden State. I, I think this is really just about him thinking this will rehab his image. You think of a guy like Kyrie leaving Cleveland, right? And we've sort of kind of moved on from this. Or even Kawhi moving on from San Antonio. These guys are basically playing these villain roles. 
And for the most part, the NBA universe has kind of moved on. But this has not happened with Kevin Durant. No, we haven't moved on from this point that he left that Oklahoma City team to join a 73-win Warriors team. I mean, I that has to be your number really, one motivation, right? I think that really bugs him. So if, if that's your number one motivation, I think you're... Let's, let's just reason this out for a second. So you're talking, you know, the next 10 years, including last year and the year before, of saying you're a snake, you're a cupcake, you're going to a 73-win Warriors team. How long does that story get written in the record books before it, it then gets replaced by, oh, he's got five rings because he stayed with the Warriors? You know? It's like... Think about all the other guys, like like. Uh, oh, LeBron and Decision 1.0. I mean, instantly turned that guy into a villain, and then within two years, two and a half years, I would say he managed to kind of turn around his image. He did, but think about if he never won a ring in Cleveland, there would still be that stain on his championship record, you know? I don't know because he went back to Cleveland. That's that's the thing. He went back to Cleveland before he turned 30. That's crazy to me. Like, he went back before he was 30. I always figured LeBron would go back to Cleveland. I just figured it would be, you know, kind of end of the end of his uh, career, not legitimately during his prime. Whereas Kevin Durant, you know, this is kind of his, I'm at this LeBron stage of about 30 years old, and I want to go do something else, but I... I don't think he cares about legacy. I don't think he cares about that stuff. I think he cares about the now, and I think he cares about the fact that people still hate him. And it bugs him that LeBron is so popular by opening up the school and you know moving around teams, but it's like LeBron's got like a 99% approval rating. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I just got to think, you know, if I'm thinking like, if you're thinking short-term, Okay, now this is kind of dumb, but I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, short-term legacy, you're a snake that joined a 73-win team to get all your championships. Record books and, like, 100 years down the line legacy, you know, small forward, lanky as hell, shoots threes, five championships. Like, five rings is a lot. Like... It seems like a lot to pass up to say for the next 20 years, I want people to remember me not as a cupcake snake. Yeah, and I think this kind of gets back to your point of the newness, the freshness of Golden State has worn off. And it might have worn off on KD. He, he himself might be kind of tired of this Golden State system. And he kind of maybe wants to move back to, you know, if he goes to the Knicks or something, he gets the ball more in his hands. He doesn't have to do this off-ball thing anymore. The mid-range is open again. You know, he doesn't have to kind of defer the game out a little bit, you know, play this go-for-layups-and-threes style. You kind of go back to that. The other thing I think is, if he does care about legacy, MVPs matter. And he's realistically probably not going to win an MVP by playing with Golden State unless Steph is like out for a year or something like that. 
That's true. I mean, I don't know I if he wants to go for MVP stuff. Of, I think he's tired of the system. I think he's tired of people hating him, and I think he's a little bit tired of the Golden State system and wants to play his game, which is more mid-range nuance. We will see. Yeah, this is this is a interesting little. Yeah. I... Right, can you talk about my boy Ben Simmons? Yeah, shooting Why don't a three in game. I didn't watch this game, but he actually shot a three. A legitimate three, not end of the quarter heave. This is his second, uh, I guess, actual kind of on purpose three in 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 his career. Uh, the first time happened with the Lakers, uh, which I mean, I immediately messaged you about. I I think Ben Simmons next year is going to start employing a jump shot. Who's gonna Who's gonna be a better three point pursuit percent shooter next year, Giannis or Ben Simmons? Probably Ben, right? Oh, I don't know. I it might be Giannis. Ben's got a better reason to shoot threes, though. I mean, he's got Embiid in the post. He's got Redick to help teach him. I think it's got to be Ben. I don't know, that's kind of interesting, though. Uh, the Blazers were stuck in an elevator, and Enos Cantor was just, like, tweeting about it. And the best part of the story is that there were 10 of them in this tiny little elevator. Tall dudes, right? In a small elevator. Then they play the Celtics. Do you think being stuck in the elevator really helped the team chemistry? Yeah, so Versus I think... a team that is basically in team chemistry dysfunction? I think the Celtics need to get themselves stuck in some elevators. Them and the Lakers just get stuck in an elevator. You know, don't tell anybody that you rigged it. Just uh, let it happen. Don't bring any food. You know, make sure it's a dead zone so nobody can call for help. Just just hang out in there for like 15, 20 minutes. It'll get real awkward real fast. You'll figure out who likes who. Hopefully build some bonds to steer the ship here because uh yeah i don't even like watching the celtics anymore yeah with 20-ish games to go so about a quarter of the season to go what team are you most excited to watch down the stretch if it's not boston what team are you most excited to watch so i think there's a couple things one is is i'm still interested in the sixers most importantly because they can still gel in like such a strong way if they can rattle off like 10 wins in a row to close out the season and everybody's clicking, like they get some momentum, they could be Eastern conference champions, like pretty quick. Um, wow. I, Cause I think the East all comes down to matchups in the first round and like who's hot in those matchups. Cause we know like Toronto is going to take Philly. If that ever happens, just, off of the Marcus Gasol thing. And, you know, they, they, Toronto obviously gels really well right now, winning games. I'm, I mean, I'm not watching them, but I know they're good. And I don't really care to watch the Bucks. I mean, I'm sorry, Giannis, but, like, I I just know you guys are going to win. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have the highest point, uh, winning point margin in the league right now, higher than Golden State. Um I think I'll be interested to watch Lakers games because those are probably going to be super competitive and really angsty the whole time. Like, see who who gets who gives assists in this get your own numbers style of 
you know, cutthroat team basketball. Um, and then I think the other team I'd be interested in watching is, I think, OKC, honestly. I want to see if they really have the guts. I think they play the Rockets one more time before for the uh, playoffs. So that'd be a really good game to see. It's like, who's actually the number two in the West? All right. I've got a, I've got a few questions to kind of ask you. Uh, basically, the segment is, are you buying stock in, and then I'll fill in the rest of the question. So are you buying stock in Charlotte making the playoffs? Yeah, I'll buy stock. It's a little regretful, though. It's more I feel obligated to rather than I feel like I should. Obviously, North Carolina. <laughs> What's interesting about this is it looks like Detroit, Brooklyn uh, will kind of get the tail end of the playoff spots. But then you have four out of the five teams in the southeast, Orlando, Miami, Washington, Charlotte, and Atlanta, basically fighting for that last playoff spot. Is this the worst division in basketball? Absolutely. Absolutely. I like, I, yeah, of all those teams, I would want Charlotte to win, but I could reasonably see Orlando getting it too. Just because they have Frank Vogel. They obviously have like some couple studs on their roster. Uh, Markel Fultz obviously would pioneer that uh, effort. So, uh, Washington, I hope, crashes and burns finally. It's like, please just blow up already. Like, let not making the playoffs tell you to blow it up. And it'd be cool for D-Wade if he made the eighth spot, but at the same time, I don't want to see him struggle through 40 minutes of a playoff game against Giannis. Are you buying stock in the Pacers making the second round? Where are they seated right now? Three. So I think they would match up with Brooklyn. Oof. That is such a hard bet on that it's, series. Although it could also be Detroit. Detroit is kind of like, I think, half a game or one game behind Brooklyn. So more importantly, the Pacers have been on a win streak with Oladipo out. Is that even sustainable? Is really the, the spur of this question. I don't think it is. Uh, I have no idea. I, I Sometimes I can't figure out these teams, man. I'm like, looking at why the Lakers suck so much, and I just I can't figure it out. Like You've got like 20 games until the playoffs to keep that momentum going as well as execute it in the playoffs. Like I don't think that's going to last, so I think you're going to drop spots. If you drop past four, I think you just lose in the first round. Are you buying stock in Milwaukee finishing with the best record in the NBA? Yes, absolutely. I will go all in on this one nine times out of nine. Like Giannis wants that MVP. He's not resting for it. No one on his team rests. You know, they, they want home court. They want to fucking destroy golden state in the playoffs. Are you buying stock in Denver finishing first in the West? How many games back is the next team? You know, the Warriors, right? Um, well, Warriors have a one game advantage over Denver. Oh, so you're saying, okay. So it's, it's basically so we're in at Denver's two. Yeah. 
I, I think the Warriors will finish. They get, they're going to turn it on here in a minute, just like LeBron does with the intensity. Like, they have to. I want to see some Kevon Looney threes. Are you buying stock in LeBron playing playoff defense this season? Nope. At some point. No, nope. already Just sold. <laughs> already sold a week ago. I sold after the All Star break. Even if Lonzo were to come back, nope. Okay, can we talk about why this team is so bad on defense? Because they were not this bad first half of the year. I mean, they weren't great, but they weren't this bad. And this can't all be attributed to Lonzo Ball not being in the lineup, right? It's absolutely not his fault. I mean, he is their better perimeter defender. Bad news is you've got Ingram and Kuzma, who are like both really bad wing defenders, and, and you you have to play them at the wing because LeBron doesn't play on ball defense anymore on the wing players. So, and then you have to have Javale and Tyson Chandler backing that up. So you've already got like a size mismatch at the three four spot, where it's just exploit, 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 and then. Rondo is obviously not the defender he used to be, and I don't think Josh Hart's. I mean, he's okay. He's average. I mean, he's got the athleticism for it. He's. I don't think that's his game, and I think Bullock's probably the best addition they've had. But I don't think he's. He's not really a stellar defender either, if I remember. So. Okay. So sidebar. What's the strategy for the Lakers to make the playoffs? They don't. You bench LeBron for the rest of the season with a fake injury. You let him work on his record with uh, T-Pain and Space Jam 2. So you would have Anthony Davis and LeBron sitting out? Yeah, do it. I want to see those jerseys burn in the streets. Are you buying stock in that LeBron is now a good stats, bad team guy? No, mostly because his stats really haven't changed that much since he joined the Lakers. You'd think if he was trying to be a good stats, bad team guy, he would like score a little more, put up some more assists, probably do less rebounds. Um, you know, think like triple doubles Westbrook. He would kind of tell people to feed it to me a little more, you know? Uh, not that he isn't doing that, but I, I just think he hasn't really uh changed up his style a whole lot are you buying stock in a potential victor oladipo to the la lakers trade <laughs> my head hurts to think about that one i think it work it can work out money wise I mean, you can always make the money work, I'm sure. I just don't know if you get rid of a hometown hero of Oladipo, who you basically, like, swerved off of OKC and is, like, your one playoff berth without Paul George. I mean, he's got the Mamba mentality, so I'd like him to be on the Lakers. It'd probably be a a budget option for getting a LeBron a teammate, but um, I feel like Indiana's not going to give that up unless they get the full casket of returns. And the last one I have, are you going to be wearing a Donovan Mitchell Utah Jazz or Jabari Bucks jersey at your game? So yeah, on Saturday we've got the Bucks in town at the Jazz. I really want to wear my Jabari shirt 
just ironically because <laughs> i remember when they both <laughs> got on that team i was like oh jabari is going to be the better one so i bought the jabari jersey instead of the Giannis one like an idiot uh <laughs> but uh i don't know it's like jazz fans are so strong it's like i'm feeling intimidated if i wear anything other than jazz stuff I'm probably gonna wear a jazz one, but this is will be our question to the viewers is if in the next three days you can tell me which jersey to wear, I'd much appreciate it. Honestly. <laughs> or I could just go jerseyless. Or I could go buy a Cephalosha jersey because he's playing and he played in Air Maxes last week. Like what the heck? It's like nine like ninety-five Air Maxes. Like holy crap, dude, you're gonna break your ankle in those. Zioning, man. Zioning is taking over. So uh, speaking of Zioning, uh, is is Nike is, Zion? is is Zion Zion didn't play at, at Virginia Tech like I think two days ago. I don't think so. I don't think he's played since the 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 shoe explosion. So what what is this? Does this actually do anything to Nike? No, not really. Right, their sales have dipped one percent since this fiasco. Yeah, but it probably rebounded like within an hour. Oh, it did. You know what's funny enough is uh, same night, some guy wearing uh, Harden 3s for like uh, Iowa U or something also busted through his sneakers in play. So maybe that's the that's that's the play, man. Maybe that's how we uh, move back to this era of grit and grind basketball is we just tamper with the shoes. I think I think we got two implications here. One is Maybe for the sneaker companies, this means that we go back to instead of these fabric super synthetic uppers, we go back to some real leather shoes with like higher quality and like less fuse and less velvet and less crappy fake suede and stuff. Maybe we get some some more like OG Air Jordan type materials, you know, like the classics and uh, secondly maybe this means i don't know what zion's shoe deal contract is but maybe this means he switches shoe deals when he gets into the nba which would be absolutely massive by the way i don't know i think the only thing that opened up was if puma were really serious about uh, cracking into the nba market i know last year they signed what bagley Bagley, Aiton, Kevin Knox, a lot of guys. Yeah, I mean, if they if they could headline it with Zion, that'd be that'd be insane. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like, it might be worth Puma kind of taking a chance on like a guy like Markel Fultz or something, and just, I mean, what if it was like we gave him new shoes and it fixed his shot? I mean, if it was me and I was not, if I was, if I was Zion, I would never wear that specific shoe again. No, again, I don't think he's gonna wear that shoe again. I think this is the opportunity where you know you crank out the science and all the metrics and the data, and you try and you know figure out his body type into a shoe that kind of makes more sense. Like, dude should be wearing LeBrons, probably. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, like, if I was Zion, I'd be like, all right. I'm going to go to the shoe store. And I think some of it is the college rules is you got to wear like the team shoes, which Paul George's are very much team shoes because they're the budget option. Um, 
if I, if I was Zion, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to get me some like Kobe one Protros. I'm going to give me some LeBron like 16s, maybe the Zoom soldiers. And maybe I get some like, uh, like some, some Adidas. I don't, I don't know what Adidas big man shoes are out right now. I don't think there's very many, but like if I was Adidas be... or Puma or Reebok or someone, I'd be like, Zion, we've got these Shaq Gnosis for you or whatever. It's like, oof. I think Nike should really double down on this with Giannis's new line, Zion's new line, and then do a commercial with the two of them. The freak show? Yeah, just break the NBA. Break the NBA with all these, like, magical physical specimens of muscle and skill. Yeah, I mean, they're the pretty much two most popular guys, right? Giannis is probably the most likable guy in the NBA right now, and Zion's clearly the savior of college basketball this season. Put them together. Dream team. You heard it here, folks. Dream team between Zion and Giannis is coming next year somehow. No idea how it's going to work, but it'll be done with Nike. And with that, uh, that will conclude our Heart in the Pain episode for this wonderful Thursday. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a like and a comment, as well as uh, you can send us any questions, concerns, or emails to our email below or our DMs or however you like to communicate. Um, we do always appreciate our Heart in the Paint viewer of the Fortnite, and this week uh, it is uh, Drew Cox for not only ditching on us twice, but thinking he can re make real policy changes. And uh, with that, we'll see you uh, next week with potentially a alternative special guest to talk about special NBA-related topics. And uh, with that, we hope you all have a fantastic night. We'll see you on the flip-flop.